Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to hear a word from God today? Awesome. I'm ready to preach it. Uh, We are in a sermon series entitled, A Better Way. Watch this. Hey guys, welcome to my channel. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. Today we are going to be cutting onions, but without crying. Mm. It's going to be good. I love not crying. Yeah, me too. All right, so what you're going to need is a knife. A knife! An onion. Cutting board. You get a cutting board, but you're not yes, really going to be She's not letting me cut just yet. No. Kids, be safe. No! And then you need a plant. It's fake. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to grab the knife. And what you do is that you don't start cutting off the fat end. You cut off the skinny end first. Alright? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna Wait, hold on. Hold on. What's this for? Cutting an onion without crying. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Hmm? I have a question. What? How is that uh, gonna keep me from crying? Just because I've I've cut I've cut a lot of onions. Listen, listen, in a Hispanic household, yes. you can learn how to cut onions alone? Yes. Because you're interrupting me. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, do you have a better way? Yes. I, I'm really happy you asked because I actually do have a better way. And first thing is you don't wear, you're not wearing your safety goggles. And what you want to do is wear your safety goggles because that's going to keep you from crying. The second thing is. Okay. Right you're going to take my onion. It's okay. way too small of a cutting board. And I knew this was going to happen. I honestly. Oh. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Okay, this is because thank you. You don't want you don't want to breathe in the fumes. It's all about fumes. Honestly, it's so f- it's actually the liquid, so uh-uh. don't touch your eyes. Uh-uh. Yeah. Oh, I can't touch my eyes. I have goggles on. Oh, that's so, true. so this is the better way to cut onions and not cry. Okay, guys. So right, what you want to do is cut. it's okay. Keep going. <laughs> and that's how you cut onions. That's how you cut onions without crying, guys. Safety goggles, kids. Remember, it helps. And if you have a hard time breathing, just. <laughs> that is a better way. There's got to be a better way. If you're just joining us in this sermon series, we don't just have fun. We also read the Bible. And this sermon series comes from the Bible in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says, there is a way that everyone say this out loud with me. It seems right. It seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. And the first question that you should have when you read something like that is, how can something so bad seem so right? If it's so wrong, if it's so unhealthy, if it's so detrimental, why do we go that way? And we proposed three reasons for that to you last Sunday. First was, it seems like the right way because that is the way it was modeled for us. Bible says, train up a child in the way of the Lord and when they get older, they shall not depart from it. Amen. But what happens if you train up in the way that's not of the Lord? I think when they grow up, it can be hard to depart from it. Um, the way that we saw our parents model relationships 
might not be the best way, the best way to live your life financially. I remember my son, um, he came home one day and he tied his shoes. I was blown away because I had been trying to teach him unsuccessfully for the last two years to tie his shoes. And he came back talking about the bunny under the bridge, you know, loves Jesus. And it was crazy. The whole thing, he was at his cousin's house and his cousin taught him and his cousins taught him a better way. I'm asking you to believe that there might be a better way than mom and dad showed you growing up. At least that's what the Bible says. It seems like the right way because everyone is going that way. And if most people are doing it, it can't be wrong, right? I mean, if the movie's got eight and a half stars and I don't like it, the problem's me, right? I mean, that's just how it works. Or does it? I remember I got a, a DEXA scan. It was the first time I got a body scan of my, my muscle and my fat. And it was after three months of dieting. So this is more than a scale. You step on this thing. If you lay down, they scan you from head to toe. You got to stay on there for like 10 minutes without moving. And they tell you exactly how much. She asked me, she said, what do you think your body fat is? I don't know why she set me up like that. I looked at the chart. I said 12%. She said, why you say 12%? I said, because the chart says 12% athlete. I'm, I'm an athlete. So, you know, I'm an athlete. I sat down on the scan, 28% body fat. I said, what's that on the chart? <laughs> I looked at the chart. It said obese. I said, I'm obese. She says, according to the chart, like, not my fault. <laughs> it's like passage in the Bible. According to the word. I, don't, I mean... It's the chart, 28% by your obese. I said, ma'am, if I'm obese, that means the majority of Americans are obese. She said, they are. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say. You don't want most people's lives. So if you don't want most people's lives, why would you live life the way most people are living it? If there was somewhere you wanted to be, I get it. But most people are not where you want to be. So just because the most people are going that way doesn't mean that's the way to go. And finally, it seems like the right way. And this one's tricky. It's sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Because it's the easier way. It's the easier way. My son is uh, doing homeschool slash virtual school. He was in math. And I always wondered watching him do that. It's like, it, it must be really easy to cheat. That was the first place my mind went. Because in math, you could use a calculator and the person on the other side of the computer has no idea what's going on. Even if there's a camera, you could just, you know what I'm saying? So, I, so one day I saw him taking a math test and he was using a calculator. And I said, excuse me, um, are you using a calculator right now? He said, yes. I said, is it for a test? Because if it's for homework, he could use it, but not for a test. He said, yes. I said, are you allowed? To use the calculator on the test? He said, no. I said, so why are you using the calculator? He said, because it's easier. <laughs> it's the easier way, Dad. Get the lessons that we're going to need for the next level of life. Sometimes the hard way is more difficult, but the hard way is there to deposit something in you that's going to prepare you for the next thing. So if you skip that level and you skip that lesson, you're going to be in trouble later. It might be the easier way, but it's not always <clears throat> the right way. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes through the Father except through me. The whole thesis of this message is that God 
has a better way of living. And it is often standing in contrast to the way society models for us living. Jesus was famously, historically and consistently a contrarian. He always did the opposite of what other people were doing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 33. This is like one of Jesus' famous phrases. Matthew chapter 5, he said, You have heard it said, but I say to you. Mm. A lot of people do it this way, but I'm going to show you a better way. He did that all the time. Now, you need to note two things. When Jesus tells us about a better way, it's not a better way because it's his preference. It's a better way because it's in your best interest. There's a lot of ways to cook steak. Amen. Medium rare is the only right way. I'm just saying. A lot of ways to cook steak. Listen to me. There's not a lot of ways to cook chicken. You don't show up with pink chicken, put it on the table and be like, I like my rare. <laughs> nah, bro, you gonna die. Salmonella, all the diseases is in that thing. You, that's not a right way. It's not like a, what I'm saying is the way you cook your steak is a preference. The way you cook your chicken, there's a better way. When God tells you something, it's not his preference. It's not like, well, you know, this is what I like. This is like, this is what's going to make you the happiest. This is what's going to make you the most fulfilled. This is what's going to protect you and keep you living a life of purpose. It's the better way. It's the better way. And throughout this series, we've been talking about the better way. Last week, we spoke about the better way to be somebody. We talked about fame and how bad desires, but God has a way for going after those things that glorifies him and benefits you. Today, I don't know how else to say it, y'all. Um, I don't really use this word often in sentences, but today's message is going to be a little bit spicy. Spicy. That's my spicy sound effect. <laughs> spicy. Especially considering the culture we live in today, because today I'm going to talk about a better way to disagree. Oof. <laughs> a better way to disagree. We have a problem and we all have this problem. <laughs> I'm having so much fun today. I can tell it. Y'all are leaning in. I'm leaning in. This is going to get good. Um, today, uh, in, in day and age, we live in a day and age where <clears throat> you're going to have to learn how to disagree because quite frankly, it's impossible to exist in this country and agree with everybody. And it doesn't even mean you're right or you're wrong or they're right or they're wrong. You just, you're not going to agree with everyone, and if you don't learn how to disagree biblically, then you're going to disagree in a way with people that hurts you, hurts them, and dishonors God. Disagreement is in the Bible. We'll see that, and there's a right way to go about it, and I think it's going to benefit you. Listen, we need to do it because we're not going to disagree with everybody in society. Here's what I love about America, and here's what is annoying about America. Disagreement is the beauty and bane of democracy. It is the beauty and bane of democracy. It's beautiful that we all get to believe what we want to believe. That's what democracy is. But how many people know it can be tough coexisting with people who believe so differently than what you may believe? I actually heard someone say in a news outlet, this isn't like the Inquirer, I'm talking about like a big name newspaper said this. They suggested that all the states that believed a certain way should form their own nation. And that all the other states that believe a certain way should form, because I'm like, we tried that before. 
It's called the Civil War. And more people died in that than all of the U.S. wars minus Vietnam combined. It's not good. It doesn't work. If you look at America today, if you understand our government structure, we have 100 Senate seats. One, that's the upper chamber uh, of the legal branch. 100 Senate seats. Of those 100 seats, 50 of those seats caucus with Republicans. The 50 other of those seats caucus with Democrats. In other words, half of America literally does not agree with the other half of America. And if we don't learn how to talk and get together, we don't all have to agree because this message isn't about how to agree. It's about how to disagree. But if we can't find unity while we disagree, this country's going to fall apart. Here's the lie. This is what the lie, this is what the newspapers want you to believe. If we disagree, we must divide. That's a lie. We got to be okay with disagreeing and stay unified. Because I said it's a bane, but it's also beautiful. You know what country doesn't have this problem right now? We believe you go to jail. Bye-bye. And I don't got to worry about hearing about different opinions on the news. And I don't got to worry about reading about different opinions in the paper. This is the truth. Here's the truth. If we're going to be free, we must be free to disagree. If freedom is what we want, we just can't be proponents of freedom when the guy with the microphone is on our side. Freedom works both ways. We also need to learn how to disagree. Listen, because we're not only going to disagree in society. Are you ready for this? We're going to disagree in church. There's going to be disagreements in church. And it's not new. This has happened historically throughout the evolution of the church. Some people don't like the music. They're not going to agree. Some people don't like the way I dress when I preach. They're not going to agree. Some people don't like how loud it gets or how cold or how warm it is. We're working on that. I'm sorry. Whatever temperature outside, it's going to be in here. So that's how you dress when you come on Sundays for the foreseeable future. Okay? So we can fix it. But thank you for this building. We're not complaining. Um, it's got to be the glory. <clears throat> It's going to happen. And it happened throughout history. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one through six. Brothers and sisters, listen, but when we disagree, we can't disagree like the world disagrees. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one through six. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly. You're still worldly for since there is jealousy and dissension among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos. Are you ready? When we get so twisted and so caught up in preferences. Oof. Are you not mere human beings? I like the music fast. I like it slow. I like it hot. I like it cold. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. I love what Paul does. He brings it back to what matters. But God has been making it grow. The reason why we can be unified is not because we all disagree, but because even though we might disagree on the little things, we know that the mission statement of this church is to make Jesus accessible to anyone. And if we can agree on that, we can disagree on a lot of little things. As long as we can agree on that. I like what the message version says in the book of Titus, chapter 3, Paul code. That gets you from nowhere. Warn a quarrelsome person once or twice, but then be done with him. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God. By persisting in divisiveness, he cuts himself off. And there are some people online right now. I'm going to say online, not in the room because I don't want to get anybody mad. But there's some people online right now who just tuned off because I read that verse in the message version. There's a whole beef about the message version, if you don't know. It's not literal. It's paraphrased. And you should never preach out of the message version. I, I get I get your point. But that's what we're going to split the church over? That's going to be the thing that makes us that the message version? Are you kidding? We can't, we can't agree on, on that's the thing that's going to... 
I get that you don't see it the way that we see it. That's okay. Let me give you freedom to, to not see things the way we see it. Here's the lie. Ready? Disagreeing is a sin. That's a lie. It's impossible to have a church where everyone agrees. You know why? Because we don't make people fill out applications when they come in. Actually, that church is down the street. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that. So if we're going to open it up to anyone, make Jesus accessible to anyone, we got to understand that you might be sitting next to somebody who don't believe what you believe. So we can't fall under the lie that everyone is going to agree everything. It's not, and that's okay. Disagreeing isn't a sin. Here's the truth. Disagreement isn't a sin. Division is. Division is. You can believe what you want to believe, but don't take what you believe and start creating factions. And there's a beautiful thing about Orlando having 1,000 churches in it. You get to pick the church that aligns with what you believe the most. But if you're going to call this church home, you can have disagreements, but you can't allow your disagreements to create division in this church. And not even just for me, y'all. Listen, people come, salvations are happening, we're helping people in Southwest Florida, families are being restored. God's going to do his thing. Not for me. We need to be united for Jesus. And we need to be united for the world. Look what John chapter 17, verse 20 through 21 says. My prayer is not for them alone, the disciples and apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their preaching. That's you and that's me. That on, so that the world will know that you sent me. Our unity as a church is not a culture thing. It's a testimony thing. When we are unified, we send a message to the church that what they cannot accomplish without Jesus, we can accomplish with Jesus. So when they walk in here and they see a black person worshiping next to a white person, worshiping next to a Spanish person, worshiping next to an Asian person, worshiping next to a Republican, worshiping next to a a Democrat, worshiping next to a liberal, worshiping next to a conservative, worshiping next to a senior citizen, worshiping next to a teenager. They look at us and they say, if it can happen in the church, it can happen out there. If Jesus can keep the community together, then Jesus can keep this nation together. But if we can't model it in here, there's no hope for America. If we can't model unity in here, what hope do they have? Jesus is saying that when they walk in here, they should see the smiles and the hugs and be like, so it is possible. So it is. So Jesus is. How about that? He said, not when you raise them from the dead, they'll know that I'm real. He said, when people from different lifestyles and walks hang out together, I'll know that they're out. They'll know that I'm real. Wow. You know what? Unity is a miracle and it can happen in the house of God. Amen. If you're sitting next to somebody who don't look like you say, amen. And if the person next to you looks at you, look behind you. Somebody around you don't look like you. I promise. And listen, if it, if, if division is going to happen in our, in our, in our nation and in our church, we understand that. But this last area right here, we're going to definitely disagree in this last area. And that's not in our nation. That's not in our church. How many people know we're going to have disagreements in our families? And sometimes that's the hardest because you didn't get to vote for them. <laughs> you didn't get to choose your children. You know, maybe you did. Maybe in heaven there was a vote and you lost. <laughs> You're like, up, oh, you get the risottos. Up, <laughs> you get the, you get, we don't, we don't get to choose them, but we have to love them. So how do you love someone you disagree with so often and so strongly? Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. First, let me share with you the consequences of that disagreement. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. 
and every city or home divided against itself will not stand. House, home, family. The reason why city and house are in the same sentence is because every society is built. The strength of a society is founded on the strength of its families. And when the enemy comes after your family, you just need to know it's bigger than you. He's after your family because if he can divide your family, he can divide your city. He can bring your, he can bring it down. Now let me give you some tips for resolving beef with the people in your family that you love. I'm going to say beef a lot. I'm from New York. I don't know. If, if you don't know what that means, is an issue or a problem. I don't know why they call it beef. I've always wondered. Why not poultry? <laughs> If you got poultry with somebody. <laughs> what? <laughs> Here, he's going to help you. Here's going to help you. He's going to help you. Don't believe the lie. This is what the enemy wants you to believe when you start fighting with your family. If you disagree with me, you don't love me. You don't approve of my lifestyle. You don't want me to be happy. You don't like the job I took. You never supported me. This is the things we say. You don't like where I'm moving? Of course you did. When have I ever done anything that you've been through? If you don't allow me to be me, you must not love me. And it's a lie. Let me give you the truth. Ready? I might disagree with you because I love you. I might love you so much, I'm willing to make it awkward. I might love you so much, I'm willing to have the hard conversations. Maybe it's because I love you, I think that he's a bad fit for you. Maybe it's because I love you, I think you shouldn't move to that city or state where you got no support system. Maybe it's because I'm team Zane. I know it don't feel like that because what I'm saying goes against what you want to do right now. But I promise you, anything I'm asking you to do is for your benefit. You're good. I want to see you happy. I want to see you fulfilled. You got to know when you're fighting with the family member, you have to assume the best that that family member wants what's best for you. That's the word right there. So I'm going to give you now, we're going to go into tools now. Here are tools to disagree. Tools to disagree. Before we introduce the first one, I want to give you one of the biggest disagreements in the New Testament we ever experience or see. It's in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. This is Paul writing. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was let us know. <clears throat> That's what it feels like. One of them housewives shows right there, man. They got the camera in Paul's face right now. Can you believe? That's why I feel like I'm watching. But I really like Verse 11. Can we go back? Verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to, can you say what's in the yellow with me? Oppose him to his face. Listen, listen, lean in, lean in. Not behind his back. Here's the first step to disagreeing God's way. Talk with people, not about them. Paul didn't grab Barnabas and say, can you believe Peter? He tripping. He didn't write a letter to Peter's supervisor, James the elder, and go, you need to come get your boy preaching hypocrisy out here he had a conversation with the person that he had a disagreement with and that's how we go about it do not involve a third person in a two-person problem because this is this is why paul didn't do it because had paul done it he would have been supporting the very thing that he was coming against division 
Because the moment you bring a third person into your problem, listen, you're not resolving, you're recruiting. You're recruiting. Because whether it's intentional or unintentional, that person loves you that you're, that you're confiding in. I imagine you wouldn't confide in somebody who you didn't think you could trust. So if you're confiding in somebody who you think you can trust, how do you think they're going to respond when you told them that someone hurt you? They're going to jump on your side. Oh man, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she, that's messed up. I'm there. Let's go fight. And it's, it's, it's so unintentionally or intentionally, you're forcing them already to, to take sides. Let me make this even more practical. Spouses, don't talk to your parents about your spouse. Don't do it. Don't do it. It might feel good right there. But you know when it's not going to feel good? Thanksgiving. <laughs> when y'all are all around the table and it's quiet, it's quiet. And then your mom, who you confide, in, she looks at him and he goes, she goes, so now you want to share. <laughs> and the husband is looking at the mom, looking at the wife. <laughs> yeah, mom. Yeah, mom. <laughs> Hear me. You don't want her on your side. You want her on y'all's side. And please, can we not, can we not? Can we just call it what it is? Gossip. Anytime you talk about someone instead of to someone, it is gossip. Unless you do it in the positive sense, then it's called honor. But if it's not, then it's gossip. And we need to stop putting pretty words around this word. Okay, here's one pretty word that I don't like for this word. And if you say it around me, ooh, I got questions. Please, let's stop calling gossip processing. I just need to process with somebody. I just cannot process. I just need to process this before I, let's process. It's not, they're not cheese. I just need to process. No. It's gossip, not process. Okay? Listen, I'm going to give you right now three people you can process with. Okay? According to the Bible, three people you can process with. Write it down if you need to take it. Other than this, it's gossip. Your therapist. Slash pastor or spiritual authority in your life. Somebody who is unbiased is going to come at it either from a, a point of view of God or mental health. That's that you're paying here. That's that's one. Two, the person you have a problem with. Process. Why do we process to figure out if I'm in the wrong or if you're in the right or to figure out what they meant? Why don't you go to the person and ask them what they meant? Hey, when you said this, it came out a little hot. What did you mean? Oh, oh, you had a bad day. Oh, no, pa, I get, I'm glad I processed this with you. Here's the third one you process with, God. Pray about it. And here's what I've learned. When you process a disagreement with God, he's often, every time I process, every time I process with God, he's like, okay, this is it, now change. Okay, this is it, now serve. Mm. Okay, this is it, now go back and listen. It's the opposite with the devil. Every time you process with the devil, he's like, okay, this is it. Now kill him. <laughs> That's how you know you're processing with the wrong person right there. All right, this is it. Slash his tires. That's not the Lord. <laughs> it's not the Almighty. That's the evil one. That's how you know who you're processing with. Does he ask you to change or does he ask you to change others? Huh? It's good. Don't process. It's not going to get better. 
You're not resolving, you're reinforcing. Because if they love you, what they're going to do? Gas you up. You're right. He shouldn't have done that. I can't believe it. What? Huh? To you? Uh, you pretty girl, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. You shouldn't do that. Crazy? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, don't give him a second chance. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's that. Processing. Here's what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 26 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. You're not going to feel better after you do it. You're going to feel worse. Without wood. Here's a candle that I just happened to find on the floor. Spontaneously. If this candle was lit and I blow out this candle, what happens to this candle? It blows out. But that's not the kind of fire that the Bible was talking about. It was talking about wood. It was talking about campfire. Show a picture of campfire. When I blow inside a campfire, what happens to the fire? Does it go out? It gets bigger. Here's how God told me to tell it to you. Oxygen is the fuel for fights. And the reason why your disagreement keeps getting bigger and bigger is because you keep. And you just fueling it and fueling it and fueling it. And it's getting big. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You might say, well, the analogy breaks down, Pastor Jerry, because when you blow on this, it blows out. But there's a big difference between this candle and that campfire. There's six pieces of wood in that campfire. What's this? When you blow into many, it gets bigger. But when you have a meeting with one. Talk with many, it's going to burn the whole forest down. Talk with one, it's done. Talk with one and it's done. Let's go. That's strictly 12 p.m. service right there. Didn't say that in none of the other service. This is the ones going online. We'll change the title to one and done. <laughs> one and done. Can I keep going? While you're at it, talk with people, not to yourself about them. Can we stop arguing with invisible people in the shower? You started that shower, the soap was this big. By the time you got, you got to say that to me. And I, and you know, oh, that's a good one. I should have said that when I had, I should have said that. Next time I'm going to say that, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to post that. And they'll know who they are because I'm going to put a little boji with a devil horn on it. I'm going to get them. And they're going to know. I won't tag them, but I'm going to post it. And I'm going to make sure they get shared by all their friends. You're not doing anything there. I love what Matthew 18, 15 says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him. Don't keep it inside. Don't argue with yourself. Go and keeping it to yourself is the easy way. It's the way most people go. It's probably what you saw growing up between your mom and your dad. He really wants to say something. He's going to be quiet. She really wants to say something, but she's going to go for a job. Mm-mm. We're going to process with the person between you and him. Alone. One on one. One and done. Here's the second tool for resolving a disagreement the biblical way. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. The Bible is going to come out hot here. But don't get answer someone before he's the Bible. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. Not a lot of hearing him out is both stupid and embarrassing. Don't be stupid. Amen on that Bible verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me. I don't have an next verse. Keep it on the screen. 
Next verse. What this looks like to you. Um, let me explain. Um, it's my wife. It's my boo. And uh, we're going to have an argument. Okay? And in this argument, um, well, let's see. You know, we're just arguing right now. So I'm going to put these glasses on her. Can you see? You can't see? Try harder. (laughs) Can you see now? It's because you're not positive enough. You got to be positive. Be positive. You being positive? Yeah? Can you see? No? Still can't see? It's because you don't know the Bible. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Wives, submit to your husbands. Let me help you out. <laughs> can, can you can you see now? She said, "Oh heck no." He <laughs> said, "Oh heck, definitely can't see now." You know why she can't see? Oh, you write this down because you can never force someone to see things your way. Hear me out. My prescription is not her problem. It's, it's not what she's, what I need help with isn't what she's working on. And I can't force. Are you with me so far? And actually now I'm really messed up because now I don't got my glass. Now I can't even really see her. (laughs) Because that's exactly what an argument will do. You'll get so caught up in the issue. You begin to lose sight of the person. Now, 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 now I'm just fighting, but I forget who I'm, who I'm fighting with. I forget she's my wife. I forget that she loves me and she, I don't. I don't see her. And so I got to see her in a better way. So this actually happens, or it used to happen quite often when it came to doing the dishes in our house. And um, <laughs> I laugh because I actually left a dish in the sink this morning. And <laughs> But to be fair, I was on the way to preach. So Jesus understands. <laughs> she said, Jesus understands. <laughs> And it always happened every time I left a dish in the sink, she would always tell me, she would say, she would say, that's not, that's not fair. I don't feel loved. I don't feel appreciated. When you do that, you need to know I spent a lot of time keeping the house clean. And when you leave a dish in the sink, what you're telling me is that you don't respect all the work that I put into keeping this house clean. And here I am thinking, it's a dish. Can you not, are we talking about the same thing here? This is a dish. She goes, no, no, this is not a dish. Uh, this is disrespectful. You're not honoring me. You, I don't honestly, I don't even feel like you really even care about what I do here. Like what you do is more important than what I do. And, and I'm like, are we seeing the same? It's a dish. <laughs> to me, it was a dish. To her, it was a dish. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to force my view on her until I saw her correctly. Oh, this ain't even about the dish. This is about you as a person feeling underappreciated and undervalued in our home. I get it now. And that freed me up because the whole time she was fighting with me, I was feeling under attack because I'm like, why is she do that? right? But now that I know it's not even about me. Somebody says right now, she's, your problem is going to get resolved in the same time. Listen, a disagreement is resolved not with what you're saying, but with what you're seeing. 
Now that we did it over something in marriage, you know, that some people can relate to, let me talk about a very non-controversial, very easy-peasy topic that will be sure to not offend anybody so that we can learn this same principle. Let's talk about abortion. You know, non-controversial. I mean, as I was preparing for a sermon about how to live with people who we disagree with, I thought, what a better topic to bring up, because I'm sure the feelings in the room, like the feelings in America are very strong. Now, I just want to say this, two things. Number one, promise no matter what happens in the next seven minutes, you're going to come back next Sunday. Number one. (laughs) This is not easy for me to talk about, not because I'm afraid of my beliefs or I'm ashamed, because I want a unified church. But, I'm willing to talk about this because I need to show you that you can disagree and still have unity. Because I don't have to agree with you to understand you. And if I understand you and you feel understood, we can hang. Even if we don't have the same perspective or position. So reserve your final judgment until the end because I'm coming for both sides. Okay, and I'm coming. That's mean. I'm I'm, going to share on both sides. And listen, and I promise, if I do this right, either no one will be offended or everyone will be offended. And honestly, I think I'm okay with either because this is Bible. And so I'm just going to share. So so again, reserve all judgment until the very end. I've never seen the church so leaned in before in my entire six years of pastoring. Goodness gracious. So let me first talk to the individual in the room today who feels like a fetus is just a collection of cells and is not a reserve your claps, you reserve your everything for the end. Because this isn't about who's right and who's wrong right now. Okay, so so it feels like that the, the rights of the mother and the woman should supersede the rights of the collection of cells or even the sunborn baby. And that anybody who believes different is an anti-feminist, is a bigot, is just cruel. And, and and if that's you, listen, I'm not trying to change the way you think today. I'm just, I'm going to ask you to do one thing that I'm going to ask the other side to do in just a second. Even if you don't agree with the other side, can you just try and understand them? Like, what if you were to hear the story of the person in this church who was a quote unquote accident? We're going to hold off for a second, John. Who was a quote unquote accident <laughs> because, because, because their father never wanted that pregnancy. The mom was a teenager who had no money to raise that child and was convinced by everyone around her that they needed to terminate that pregnancy. But that baby was born and became the adult. Why you would believe, right? Or, or you can talk to my mom and my sister. My sister was incorrectly diagnosed with Down syndrome when she was in the womb. The doctor told her to terminate the pregnancy. I know if you met my sister, she doesn't have Down syndrome. She worships the Lord. She also has five beautiful kids of her own. When you talk to my sister on the issue, hear her story before you judge her position. There's a reason why she believes what she believes. This is her story. Are you with me? We don't have to agree, but can you understand? When you hear a pastor like me who who just believes this book with all of his heart and believes Jeremiah, when it says, not before you were born, but before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And, and, and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And you got to at least understand that for me, it's not ending a pregnancy for me. It's 
ending a, a destiny for me. So I'm not asking you to agree with me. What I'm asking you to do, if it's possible, can you understand me and still not agree? But if you can understand, now I'm going to go to the other side. For everybody who believes the opposite, be careful. Be careful how you post and be careful how you shout and be careful what you write before, before, before you condemn and before you yell, can you hear the story of the scared teenage girl who hasn't told her parents yet, who has nowhere to live, who's getting kicked out of her home, who has no resources to support this, this baby that's coming into the world. And even if you don't agree, can you understand how scared she is? Can you understand how, how fearful she is? Can you understand that to her, she doesn't have any choices? And before you go on social and just say anybody who's ever done that or ever thinks about doing that, God is mad at you and he's going to just remember before you post that, that your pastor's wife made that decision when she was younger and it haunts her to this first. And when you're trying to cast shame on them, you're casting shame on her, bringing her back to her pain. And then remember that God is not a God of shame and he's not a God of condemnation. And anytime you make anybody else, else feel like that you're not representing God either now listen when I say things like that you know who's going to be mad at me at the end of the service not the people who don't believe in God the Christians are going to be mad at me at the end of the service because what they're going to say is you see when you say things like that Pastor JJ and you don't come out strong I told you what I believe already but what you want is rah, rah. when you say that you don't you don't make it clear and when you say that you get people to op- you're compromising you're compromising listen compassion and compromise are two different things. You can care for somebody and not agree with their position. You can care for the person and not agree with the position. Are you here? You can love them and still say, I wouldn't do it. That's not me. I don't agree, but I love you. Jesus didn't agree with the people who were nailing him to the cross, but while they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, They'll crucify me, but I love you. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Listen, if you really care about this issue, stop arguing and start adopting. There are a lot of children that need homes. Start supporting foster homes and foster moms and foster dads. That's going to be the way we solve it, because ain't nobody going to change their mind. We're not going to change their mind with a preaching or a sermon. So let's love in the midst. Understand first. Is that okay? Are you still a member of this church? <laughs> Somebody's like, well, I don't know. How does this end? Where does the plane land? I'm just preaching the Bible and trying to be as loving and compassionate as I can. And I'm trying not to cross a line. And now we can, we can play, John. I'm trying not to cross a line. Because once you understand them and it's your turn and if you want to disagree, that's cool. But here's the third thing. I'm going to give it real quick. Disagree, don't disrespect. Disagree. Don't disrespect. Titus 3, 2. They shouldn't speak disrespectfully about anyone. But they should be peaceful. Some are Christians. Kind. And show complete courtesy toward everyone. Well, what's the difference between disagreement and disrespect? Disagreement is when we keep it about the issue. Disrespectful is when we start to make it about the person. Keep the issue about the issue. You know how we have so much trouble with that? Because we don't see that even in our presidential debates. And I honor our leaders, but when the model for debate stays on the issue for about two minutes, and then after that, it's all about this person's dishonest, this person, and we start attacking people, that becomes the model for discourse in our nation. And we need to let Jesus be the model.
not politicians or celebrities. Disagree, don't disrespect. And here's my last point. We'll close here. I had a whole other thing, but I'm going to just go to the end here. Last tool for disagreeing. See Jesus so you can be Jesus. When you're talking to somebody and they don't see things the same way you see, that's okay if you don't see them eye to eye. But when you look into their eyes, at verse 43 through 44, you have heard that it was said, here he comes, here he comes with his better way. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, here's the better way. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be my children, children of your father in heaven. Verse 46, and if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than what other people are doing? Do not even pagans do that? Here's what he's commanding us to do. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect, be like God. When we see Jesus in people, we are like God. We are like Jesus. Well, is everyone Jesus? Look what Matthew 25, 40 said. Whatever you did to the least of these, mm, the people we least respect, the people we least get along with, the people we least like, the people we least talk to, the people we least vote for, whatever you did and said and treated the least of these, look at this, that's how you treated me. It's called Letters to Malcolm by a famous theologian named C.S. Lewis, who also wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity. He was ministering about the time of World War II. But he had never met Adolf Hitler. He was a big figure at the time, but he just never met him. They were around the same time. But he was traveling in his ministry and his theologian met another pastor who was ministering in Germany at the time. The Nazism was at his peak. And this guy had met Hitler. And so C.S. Lewis had a question for the dude who had met him. Now keep this slide on the screen. Don't go to the next one yet. I'll tell you when. I once talked to a continental pastor who had seen Hitler and had, like many of us, many of them, by all human standards, good cause to hate him. After what he did in my family, after what he did, good cause to hate him. C.S. Lewis's question is, what did he look like? Was his mustache? In the pictures? What did he, what did he look like? I asked. I love the pastor's answer. The pastor replied, like all men, like all men look, like Jesus. What if I told you that even your worst enemy was made in the image of God? How would you, how would you talk to them? How would you treat them? How would you value them? How would you weigh them, worth them? Like the weight of that conversation, this is God's for his people that he that we would see everyone we disagree with like if we were looking at our savior Jesus Christ I love you I don't agree with you but man you matter and I'm not going to disregard you I'm not going to disrespect you I'm going to value you and honor you because you were made in the image of God amen every head not every eye closed Raise your hand on three. Listen, if there's someone in your life you are in the middle of a disagreement with, one, two, three, all over this building, somebody you're disagreeing with in your life. Could be a mom, could be a dad, could be a loved one. All right. Raise your hand if you think at some point in your life you're going to have a disagreement. Raise your hand. Yes, this is my way to get everybody's hand up real quick. Amen.
You put your hand down. I want to pray for all of y'all right now. I want to pray for those who are in the heat of one and those who are just a couple days away from one. I want you to visualize. I want you to visualize that person you're disagreeing with right now. Would you do that? Eyes closed. Visualize that person. See what they did to you. And while you are visualizing who they are and what they did, I want you to switch out. Ready? Who they are and what they did for who Jesus is and what he did. Switch them out. Don't see them for who they are and what they did. See them for who Jesus is and what he did. And what he did. Now I want you to pray. I want to pray with you. Father, I I see every hand that was raised. Those who are in the middle of a a friend, a boss, a co-worker, a parent. Father, whatever that issue is, I pray right now that you would give us wisdom and peace to navigate this issue in your spirit and with your heart. We want to help, not hurt. It's impossible to not disagree, but when we disagree, God, we want to honor you. We want to do it the way the word says, because we know in that way, not only will we be better, but we're going to give you better praise, going to give you better glory in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. One more prayer. If you're far from God today and you don't have a relationship with him, I got good news for you. When I said, see Jesus so you can be Jesus, you know, when God sees you, He doesn't see you for your past, your mistakes, or your failures. The Bible says when you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ, guess who he sees? Jesus. So if you feel unworthy, if you feel like you and God have been disagreeing for too long for him to love you, I want to remind you, you are never too far from God. Today, if you're willing, there is a freshness for the rest of your life. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand high to the sky all over this building. You need Jesus. One, two, three. Raise your right hand high right now. Come on, I see it. You need Jesus. Too many hands to count. So many hands. Love it. Love it. Don't be ashamed. Love it. Put your hands down. I'm going to give you the words to pray. And your neighbor's going to pray out loud as well. So you're not alone. Everyone pray this prayer. Dear God, I give you my life. Today, I lay down my past and put my faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Don't see me. Don't see my mistakes. See Jesus and his mercy. Thank you, Lord, for preserving my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you give it up for all those who made a decision to follow Jesus today? Hey, let's do one more. Let's stand on our feet. And let's remind ourselves and our soul that all we need is God. We agree with the way God sees us. We agree with the way God loves us. We're going to disagree on this earth. We're going to disagree on this planet. We're going to disagree in our homes at times. But we agree with God's mercy. We agree with God's grace. And it's that mercy and grace that overflows into the lives of other people. Because you did it for me, Jesus. I do it for others. Because you did it for me. I did it for others. I do it for others. I do it for others. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com slash give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.